is not by the power of Grayskull, it's by the power of free non-blondes. Were they not, were they blonde? I don't think there was any blondes. I know there was a no, ginger after blonde. after there was problems with the cast, weren't there? Yeah, that right. Yeah. She she wasn't ginger for long. She wasn't ginger for long. Did she do a spell to get rid of it? <laughs> well, she started out. <laughs> no, did she start out as a brunette and then she went ginger? I think. No, she was a natural ginger. Yeah, but when she first came onto the series, she was brunette. The first season. Either way, it's the No Holes Bar Witchcraft podcast, episode 75. And we're talking about 90s pop culture iconic TV series about witchcraft and stuff, Charmed. Because if you're a witch that was around or grew up in the 90s or found your path in the 90s, you were all thinking that that was good witchcraft. I know that because all of the old witches always moan about people coming to them and asking questions based on Charmed. Much like nowadays we got questions about Harry Potter. Back in the 90s it was mainly about Charmed or maybe Buffy the Vampire Slayer, wasn't it? I do love Buffy. Do you okay. love the Charmed series? Because it ran for a I, long time. Do you like it? I did. I loved it. I've even got, I think, somewhere VHS tapes where I taped episodes somewhere, somewhere. Right. What other well, episodes, what other things did you tape from back then? Because I want to see and draw a comparison between, obviously, this. if it's so important to you that you taped it, what yeah. other TV series and stuff did you tape? Well, my three favourite episodes from Buffy, when Willow goes crazy, those are my faves. Right. Okay. And then... Um, I don't know. Movies mostly, movies that are liked, right? That are on television a lot, but no other series, I don't think. Right. So this is how good this series is that Chris actually taped some episodes of it, and we all know Chris is a super witch, so there must be surely some genuine super occult knowledge hidden within Charmed. Now. Is it that you've just learned all of your craft from that TV series, Charmed? Or is it just that the White Lighters really did it for you? Do you know, I didn't really like the White Lighters at all. You don't like the ones modern times, though, do you? No, the, the Dark Lighters were sexy. I liked some of them. Some of them were good. Okay. But no, I felt they them... were too softies. They were just too soft. Oh, they are, yeah. And far too easy to kill, in yeah. my opinion. Um, no, before before we go any further about it, I will add a little caveat of they were actually self-proclaimed Wiccans in the show. They were. Yes, they, they were. The only, they are the only uh, Wiccans I've ever enjoyed. <laughs> but they weren't actual Wiccans. <laughs> Neither of the cast nor the actual people were, because it was basically just Christian, wasn't it? And then it started yeah. off with Christian-y, kind of-ish. You know, they replaced angels with white lighters and then eventually started moving into the kind of, oh, well, maybe God exists, maybe it doesn't, but it's one of those things that the closest you get is the angel of destiny type thing, which is a grade above what was the God type thing at the beginning of the series, which was the elders, which were like higher level. What would we call elders? Would that be like advanced witches or something like that? Um, ascended masters <laughs> like Jesus, I guess. Yes, ascended masters essentially was that kind of idea, wasn't it? Mm. Although it was very interesting that when the ascended masters, um, well, they got better, and then you had the Titans come back, and they kicked their ass and started killing them all, didn't they? All the Titans, yeah. they just cleaned up the joint. So, yeah, very yeah. interesting. Reminds me My a favorite... lot of real life. <laughs> My favourite ones <laughs> when the Avatars came in, who exist outside of time. Is that us? Yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> Some would argue that. Some would argue that, yes. Um, but anyway... Some people don't like it when we talk about pop culture, but we're, fuck it, we're going to talk about pop culture. We're going to talk about this because it was a very, um, 
I think, instrumental in a lot of people going to the magical path and a lot of people going to the witchcraft path and a lot of people going to the Wiccan path, right? Yeah. And thinking about the whole, I don't know how many seasons it was, but it was quite a few, the whole thing, is there anything that springs to mind as being kind of equal to real life? <laughs> is there anything that you could say, oh, if you want to know about that, just watch this episode? Or is it all absolute trash, but fun trash to watch? It was fun trash to watch. Um, anything that really comes to mind? Um, well, I like I like the intriguing part of the trio um, part. Mm. This kind of coven that didn't need to be 13 or something like that, I quite enjoyed. Mm. Um, and I, I like the, the caveats about ancestral magic, that kind of inherited power that gets stronger with every generation was the basis yeah there. That, that kind of which is how um, it should be really <laughs> invested invested power in blood i think mm. i think that was an interesting one um you know and this idea that each generation shares power i think that doesn't get covered anywhere else mm. so like it wasn't like there was just one powerful witch in that generation, depending on how many of them there were, would depend on how how the power was split. Obviously, they were a relatively small family. Like, it didn't come into... Like, it was direct matrilineal. Like, mm. these are the women well, in this wasn't. family kind of thing. <laughs> um, and it caused a scandal, eventually, so, when that didn't happen anymore. Well, it was exactly. a prophecy, wasn't it? It was a prophecy. It was all about all oh, the charmed ones. When when our magic after growing it for so long, because you saw this in that uh, that Dante's Cove thing, they did a little bit about that, but they did it more yeah. about sacrifice. Whereas this is more about teaching the next generation, and it just kind of grows in the blood, and they make a big thing about blood in charmed, um, and then it culminates at a point in the future. Well where the charmed ones, three witches will be born that will be at the ultimate power level, you yeah. know, for that family. And then obviously that is essentially what the TV series is about. They'll yeah. reorganize the entire world and underworld and whatever the fuck other worlds or magic in general. And then the, basically the series was them going about fulfilling the prophecy to do that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the, yeah. <laughs> The series was too popular and they wouldn't cancel it. So they then got mm. to a point where they had to change the storyline altogether for the last two seasons. Um, but, like, yeah. you know, where they had to then have this ultimate power, which clearly is better than the chosen ones. So, mm. yeah. So, ultimate. Well, that's yeah, the fakers, isn't it? That's the fakers battling the real deal. Yeah. So, I've, I find the whole thing, if you don't learn anything else, from it which you fucking won't um but the one thing that i think is really quite interesting is the whole coven dynamic there because yeah. it's not just because i mean with any uh series that runs for a long time obviously the characters develop so you see them develop over literally years and grow up um but also the fact that they have to do little feuds and spats and things like that that are in there that last. Um, and the interesting dynamic between the three main characters, which was the three sisters and then other members of the family and all that kind of thing, and how they have a kind of two careers. They have their mundane life and they have the magical life. But it's not like you see in a lot of this kind of teenage Jeremy stuff where it's all kind of... I don't know, super secret-y kind of, we're part of a club type thing. It's more of a case of, well, we're doing this. We know we have to keep it secret, but it kind of encroaches on our everyday life. And I think for a lot of people that would have been watching that, that would be, I think, what a lot of people would be able to, I don't know, like to see. They can draw comparisons with that in their own life because it is very much a... I'm struggling with this. I have to keep this literally boxed up 
I can't let anyone in. And most of the time, whenever there's a fucking massive problem, it's because they've let someone into the fold. And there's only like one or two, maybe three, that really coped with it. And everything else, it always ends up badly. Which normally is the relationship side of things. (laughs) Which is another fascinating comparison between Charmed and uh, these would-be nice witches that they always have really fucked up love lives, often. Whereas all the bad ones seem to have brilliant love lives. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a it. It's that focus on the secret, isn't it? Kind of the um, broom closet mm. conundrum of when is it comfortable to tell um, mundanes about it, and that kind of uh, dynamic of knowing when to and if to um, reveal your secret, I guess. But then I suppose at that point when it was out, that was what was kind of going on, wasn't it? It was this kind of another uh, new revival, probably the, the biggest one since the new age um, of this kind of interest in um, magic um, and this kind of revival of kind of Wicca. Like it's, you know, second wave, shall we say, of Wicca that kind of starts... Yeah about the 90s and there is that kind of oh well is it safe to talk about it mm. um and obviously they had like one of my favorite <laughs> my favorite sidelines in in the series was the cleaners one because they were just so funny <laughs> like that kind of deadpan humor yeah was, they were almost british like there was that kind of feel about them you know stern um, not liking dirt, very camp. Like it was, they were my <laughs> my favourite kind of twosome. Um, I don't know why they always appeared as a two, but they just seemed appropriate. I don't know. It was, I don't know, a, a nod to Lauren Hardy or something. I don't know. Um, it was a double act, didn't it? It was a double act. I'll kind say of. we're a double act. You know that, don't you? No. But it reminds <laughs> me of, again, another show the Americans will not know, but that one with... Um, Aggie and Kim. Oh, yeah, Kim and Aggie, the cleaning people. The cleaning people. Like, you know, you kind of got that imagination of someone wearing white gloves that kind of just runs their fingers through the dust and then goes, oh, this place is disgusting. Um, <laughs> like, And then gets a big yellow glove out and kind of spanks it, you know? Like, there is that kind of aspect of when they arrive, it's like, you've made an awful mess and now I must clean it. Um all because somebody found out or photographed proof of magic. It kind of fed mm. into that kind of conspiracy theorist kind of per- the personality that I guess you get in paranormal investigators and all that kind well, of stuff. Because the thing is, magic isn't accepted by the everyday, although it used to be. So then when they make series like this, whether it's Harry Potter um, films or books or anything supernaturally, they, they they try to put something in there that explains the fact that why don't all the mundanes realise that magic is a real thing? Obviously, yeah. it's not understood that it's a real thing because it's difficult because it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when you manage to master it, it suddenly becomes very difficult because it's difficult because you're really pushing yourself. But it's no different than many other things that a lot of people believe to be impossible. That has nothing to do with magic. Um, one thing that I would ask, actually, your opinion on. So the legacy of the Charmed TV series, everyone always shits on it. And as a fan of it, someone that takes VHS tapes off it. Clearly you are a fan. Um, How do you think that it gave more good than bad? Because remember that it very much pushed so much of the shit that's still around today. The ideas of not doing magic in any form with personal gain or a comeback times free type thing, or um, this idea of active powers, whereas each witch has got like a very specialist type thing. You know, where nowadays we've got the, well, I'm a green witch, well, I'm an astral witch, well, I'm a fucking candle witch or some shite like that. Or a lot of this stuff in the 90s, the really bad times where you had all the books coming out, 
And a lot of the books, the Wiccany books like that, were saying, oh, it's not like Charmed. It's not like Charmed. But then they go and talk a load of shit that's exactly the same, much like the paranormal investigators these days say, well, it's not like paranormal investigation on TV. It's not like Most Wanted. But then they go and do the exact same fucking thing, you know? So in terms of his legacy, do you think it did more harm than good looking back? I I think it did more good. Justify that yeah. fucking answer, Chris. Justify that answer. Because <laughs> I don't I don't feel that you can blame the series for the sorts of things that you could associate with it that you just did. So like, you know, because in no way, shape, or form did it categorize witches in these other than kind of good bad which obviously the the new age season the new age was already doing what was nice about mm. charmed was they were kicking ass so it was kind of like it, these are good witches but all they do is actually bad spells all the time they weren't airy fairy mm. so like but, you know it wasn't them yeah. kind of casting love spells and shit like that like every time any of that happened it went horribly wrong, like because it broke a sense of moral code that it went to. Because actually, I don't think they really stuck to this kind of very Wiccan idea of personal gain. What they think, or what I think they tried to focus on was actually, is this necessary? And how would that magic play out? Because actually, if you're realistic about some of the things that happened, you know, love spells turned into obsession, those sorts of kind of like, they did point out some pretty basic things that we still have to constantly point out to people that start this journey and kind of go, well, actually, you're asking for someone to obsess about you. That is a love spell. Like those kind of, um, you know, and then like... <laughs> split personalities caused by I'm, I'm thinking of other kind of love spells to be fair when she conjures herself a man um and then kind of man, yeah he splits into a gemini situation where there's a perfect version with her and an evil version trying to you know take over the world but both versions are specifically trying to please her mm. but they both please her from opposite directions which still hits the op the obsession um I think my one of my favourite episodes, which really probably sells my point, is um, the love spell one with the Tatiana book. Right. Yeah. Where they do a they turn them into animals or something. I think happens in that one. But the bit about it was this idea that she sat there, re you know, rechanged the spell to say why it didn't work in order to make the spell work. And obviously, you know, the bit that always irritates me is the rhyming couplets. But yeah. the, but obviously in that moment, she changed the journey in the wording that she, when she reworded re it. And I think that kind of hits the kind of three sides of the triangle kind of stuff that we always talk about. It just hits it in a very floozy way. I'm not saying that it actually teaches occult knowledge, but what I'm saying is there's a touch of it which kind of starts off this craze of different TV shows that actually have done their research. You know, kind of like with the Harry Potter series, the amount of research that J.K. Rowling must have had to do to get these little, you know, I think they call them Easter eggs, don't they? Yeah. Little nuggets of... of information like the nicholas from Al stuff unless yeah. you've actually read about alchemy you will have never heard of nicholas flamel but there are lots of there are lots of people like that that she's kind of you know woven into the story um because she had a keen interest in alchemy um and let's face it she's turned paper into gold so i, I don't think anyone can argue that she well, she has an interest in alchemy in general in her private life, doesn't she, J.K. Rowling? But, I mean, we could do a podcast on that at some point. Um, I was going to say, what about the ideas nowadays? Because there's there's two things that I'd be interested in touching on, actually. Because they did a remake of... Um, which Charm, I still which haven't not watched. watched. And I heard it's a load of shit. 
Um, but there's this idea of feminism being pushed in Charmed. But then there's also the idea now that a lot of flack is being put on the type of feminism in Charmed and even the idea behind it, the whole concept of that. Um, so that's one thing. And the other thing is cultural misappropriation, because nowadays all of these feminism, cultural misappropriation, racism, all of that is massive buzzwords. So if we can put some of these buzzwords in before the Patreon call, even if we don't discuss them, YouTube okay. or Buzzsprout or iTunes is bound to put us in some sort of algorithm. I don't know if that's good or bad yet. I've not done the research, but I know we'll be listed in something. And it's relevant because you've got little leprechauns. If they do an episode on leprechauns, it's the most fucking stereotypical leprechaun with a pot of gold type thing. And it's yeah. all very kind of... I wouldn't say Disney. It's very... Um, stage show is very musical stage show slash pantomime i think pantomime very is panto. it is very, very camp very panto. the way yeah. they tackle pretty much everything yeah and even down to the vampires their version of yes. vampires yeah. in that very kind of uh, bad cgi turns into a into yeah. a bat kind of situation it is very pantomime so cultural misappropriation in the fact that they are making cultures and stories super pantomime. And yeah. it's funny and kind of camp. Is that a bad thing when they're doing it to everyone? Or is it that bad thing in general? What do you feel as someone that lives in this century and then looking back at this, which was last century and understanding the politics of everything nowadays, because you're essentially a child of the 90s, aren't you? So you grow up with this sort of television. Whereas you think people from the 70s and the 80s and that grow up with a very specific type of television as well. And how that flavours your understanding of that now. Um, I'm probably going to say something. Quite, I'm going to be judged no matter what I say. But I'm I'm of that feeling of equal opportunity. As long as everyone is being mocked yeah. and the people being mocked are included in the story i think that's i think that's always the tricky part is the person you can't have it as a white thing that we talk about over here if that makes sense i'm using white because that's the best version of describing my face um you know that western you can't look at it from a western perspective and not include the others so that's and again i've used the word others oh, there are lots of things that are wrong with that statement but it's hard <laughs> to say these I'm, I'm i'm tripping you up purposely because you're ill before you do the episode because controversy equals clicks you see chris you know but it is one of those it's one of those things where some will argue that you can't you can't caricature anything um, mm. Unless you are part of the group in which is being caricatured. Oh, no, you're not even allowed to do that now. So it's tricky. I feel that actually there is something to be learnt from the caricature. Um, lots of people would disagree, including, you know, some of our favourite witches, no doubt, uh, over in Witchcraft Live and the Patreon will disagree with me on that. But there is there's a reason that things are caricatured. Um, and the reason those things are caricatured because they must have some kind of vein of truth in mm. them for people to actually be able to make that connection. So you can talk about slurs and um, the kind of brutal way of actually, well, now these are just uh, started in a, in a type of hate and therefore, I'm sorry, but a leprechaun is a leprechaun. Like, you know, at the end of the day, they come all in all shapes and sizes, but... The ones that you recognise are the ones like on the uh, um, on the charm show, little Irish sounding, uh, um, you know, ginger wear a lot of green. Like you know, those things have become because they've become visual. Because mm. what we what we learn as human beings is archetype. Mm. So to remove an archetype means that you you will all of a sudden lose 90% of your audience 
because they don't understand what is going on. And when you have something that is a fantasy series like this, that's talking about esoteric magics, there are certain stereotypes that are always going to be there. Um, and the reason they're there is because it allows the audience to understand what they're talking about. You know, so, you know, you'll have the busty maiden and you'll have um, the charming, handsome, um, you know, save uh, person that comes in and saves hero. That's the word I was looking for. Um, you know, there will be this kind of evil person that has to have some kind of, you know, ugliness about them or deformity. Um, you know, there is going to be something that is wrong with them. And mm. whether or not that is going to be, you know, just being ugly or if there's going to actually be a brokenness to them. So some kind of evil has happened to them that has made them evil. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all those things will always exist because that's what storytelling is. Um, and what struggle, what people often struggle with is separating politics from storytelling. Um, yeah. And with, with the Charm series, I wouldn't have it any other way um, because even by reproducing it in the most um, politically correct way of delivering it has actually meant there's only been one series of it. So that either says all the people watching it are complete racist, homophobes and bigots, or that says it delivered something that isn't delivered in the politically correct version and what that is, I don't know because I haven't watched it. Um, but there were lots of people that were turned off purely by the cast that was chosen. And that's a racist thing. Um, no, I I understand that a lot of the people that jumped on the bandwagon of saying it's a racist thing and that, from my understanding, are a lot younger. And that when they were going to do the new version of Charmed, they did polls and they put a lot of information and asked the, the original fans what they wanted. And all of the fans pretty much overwhelmingly said, we want it to carry on from where it left off. So they want to see all of the kids that were coming along growing up. They wanted to see all of that. They just wanted it to be same universe, same characters, but 10 years later. And what they decided yeah. to do was completely abandon all of it and do a remake with the same storyline, just a little different. And the thing is, when you're watching, it's a it's very different to taking a book and turning it into a film, right? Yeah. What is different is when you take something that's already visual, like when they remake another Spider-Man and it's the same fucking yeah. story. And eventually yeah. you're like, well, I grew up watching this Spider-Man or I found this Spider-Man really good. And then all the other ones that come after is kind of like this is kind of fucking boring, you know? It's the same story. We know what's going to happen. They've just seemed like they're just getting more basic, the characters. Yeah. And with yeah. this, it, it was very much that kind of idea. I think I watched one episode and that was the impression I got, but I, it's not a priority for me to watch, to be honest with you. Um, but there we go. I think that's it for this episode of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. If you want to hear the extended episode... Get on the fucking Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. I mean, what are you not doing on there? Seriously, there's so much say. secret occult knowledge on the Thoth so Witchcraft cheap. Patreon that you're not allowed to know unless you pay us three pounds or four dollars or however much it is. I don't bloody know. But get on there. The link is in the description, people. Right. So now we're on the Patreon side of things. Can you explain to me this whole feminism thing? Because I'm struggling with this. Because in the original series, what you had was you had obviously three sisters. One of them died. And then they got another sister. It was like a half-sister in that. But you kind of had some archetypes there. You had the uh, career woman, you know, that was really interested in furthering your career and making a name for herself and all that sort of thing. You had the kind of homely, um, raising kids type, soccer mum, I think it yeah. would be, Piper. And then you had the kind of young one who's trying to find right. who she is in life, which was Paige. 
Um, and Phoebe obviously used to be that. And as it grew yeah. on, she became the career one. As the career one, funnily enough, that archetype got cut from the shell. So it's yeah. very interesting how they always have that free. And is that Maiden Mother Crone, Chris? Was that there? I don't think that is. The free, the Halliwell sisters are not Maiden Mother Crone. They're all the same fucking generation. So very unwicked. Yeah. Um, but they have the archetypes of each of them. Yes. So the playful maiden, you know, the the strong female mother and the crone with this was always either the baddie or you would consider that to be the wise, the wise woman, which would be kind of a Grams. Because Grams yeah. was always brought in as the kind of um, primal, uh, no, primal, um, I can't think of the word I want the kind of main kind of matrilineal kind of this yeah. is who you hope to be and this um, is your history and this is your history so I kind of think they do hit the maiden mother crone they, it's do. Just not, they do but it's not in the coven structure it's not in the coven structure although yeah. you could argue that the you know power person would be potentially crone but um you know, and obviously there is that moment where there is that shift from Piper no longer being the middle sister and kind of having mm. to take a different archetypal role. Being in the, the oldest. Threesome. So there is that kind of transition that's very maiden mother crone about it. But yeah, kind of to hit the feminism part, it was that kind of, you know, second slash third wave feminism where you're kind of shifting from the man hating must beat them down to the I'm just as good um if not better because I'm a woman which is the which is kind of that kind of the switch that's going on there um but it depends on what you're wanting to know about it there is that kind well, of I don't quite understand the different because what I understood, maybe this is because I grew up in the 90s with these type of females on television. It was the, I'm a normal woman. I want what I want in life, but I don't want to be some lonely hag surrounded by cats. I want a normal relationship, you know, but I will kick ass if I need to tell, although I don't crave it type thing. It was kind of like, that seems to be like a normal thing, normal person, normal woman, right? And that I understand from that. What I don't quite understand is why in the modern times, in the 21st century, that's being shat on. I really don't understand that. And I'm told that this is third wave feminism, but I don't much understand third wave feminism. Um, and anyone that claims to understand third wave feminism, they all seem to say contradictory things. So it's very complicated. For me, yeah. I was wondering if you could explain what the problem with the archetypes and how they handled the Charmed series in universe in regards to feminism and that. The big, the big problems they they will have with them is that it's is will be the issue if they don't represent the normal woman. Will be the big part right. that's going on there. So these are all power women, but they have one thing in common, which is they're all. Uh, kind of, uh, in the most part, busty brunettes. So they're all too attractive, is that what you're saying? They're all far too attractive. <laughs> um, they sell only one version, which is that I will use my sexuality to get what I want. Um, that kind of, you know, there's a lot in Charmed of uh, seducing. Um, is is there th those are the sorts of things that people will, uh, modern feminists will have okay. issue with is they don't truly reflect the modern woman um although in the 90s are you saying modern was... women aren't attractive is that what it is because all i'm getting from this as a normal guy you've just is... listened to one part because that's how you're pro i'm just trying to understand i'm just trying to understand it because i don't get the argument and i've never had anyone explain this all i'm told is blah, 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 bad role model, blah, blah, blah. So what I'm understanding is I understand and agree that they pretty much through the whole series, whether it's men or women or demons or what, is generally just stereotypically attractive people. It's an American television show. That's generally what they do, isn't it? 
right? <laughs> so they put a lot of attractive people on. The, the main characters are normally always attractive. But is that the argument that they're kind of making now? No, but it's part of the argument, right? Which is there. There is no that it doesn't show real life. So the fact is that it's all polished. So right. you know, even the people that are hideously, hideously in inverted commas deformed, mm. are pretty actors that have got some a little bit of makeup on that that still allows them to look beautiful. Um, but I am in only focusing on the one part that you actually would understand. So, okay. I the last thing you should be asking me when I've got a head cold is about the differences between politics in feminism, because my brain okay. is not in the mood to deal with it. But okay, do you um, think there are any justified arguments to that? As someone that also grew up in the nineties with this kind of thing, because I don't understand the, I understand why a lot of magical practitioners don't like the Charmed TV show because they think, well, it's not teaching magic and it, uh, they, I don't think they have a problem with the entertainment because it was entertainment. What they have a problem is, is that their inboxes are now inundated with, am I a witch? Do I need a book of shadows? What is a triquatra? and you know all that sort of jazz personal gain money spells you know all of that sort of stuff which it highlights as snap buzzwords as no this is bad you're not allowed to do any form of money spells no this is bad you're not allowed to do that you're this type of thing what is my active power all of that sort of shit that they're getting buzzwords which now you get from american horror stories you know that you're getting people asking if they're a fucking supreme <laughs> but the thing is, shit it, like that. it doesn't matter what's in popular culture. Yeah. There will That'll be something care. that will yeah. never change. I'm sure yeah. it was the same when Bram Stoker's Dracula came yeah. out, like or Frankenstein. There will have been all sorts of parts of that that were used in order to self-identify. The problem you've got at the moment is less about TV shows from the 90s and it's more about this constant obsession with self and actually trying to understand ego um, and the work that is spent in order to categorise oneself because mm. of social media. I don't think that has anything to do with popular culture. That's just down to the fact that we now live in a world where everything is is uh, boils down to how many likes I have and how many followers I have on Instagram. So, you know, I don't actually see a problem with what was going on then, even from a magical point of view. At the end of the day, like we constantly talk about, having those sorts of people around are what distracts the main, the people that matter, um, you know, uh, in high government from bringing back in witchcraft laws. Yeah. So if we if we were the main, you know, source of knowledge on every channel um how long would it be before the fbi or whatever were breaking down doors uh, and trying to uh, change the world or you know whatever organization you want to refer to um not to sound like a conspiracy theorist but you know if it was a case of magic was taken seriously we'd be very quickly having to cover our practice again mm. um because that's the reality of it. These sorts of, um, you know, mod con versions of magic being in the mainstream um, protect us from having to go back um, to hiding our practice. Um, so, no, I don't think there's anything bad about it. Um, and actually having those buzzwords at least shows they're interested uh, whether or not they actually ever become witches is a different matter, but you know, there is that part that is like okay. at least they're so, interested in asking questions. So, would your argument be to the people that obviously shit on Charmed and other such TV shows that if you're someone that has an interest in developing 
down a path of magic, then this isn't going to really stand in your way. It might confuse you a little bit, but it won't get in your way. To the uninterested people that are ignorant and probably could make your life difficult, this provides a great camouflage to prevent them from seeing what's really going on. So it really is a benefit, if anything, this kind of thing. Apart from the person that's just maybe in their beginning that he gets a little bit confused. And is this an orchestrated process to weed the people that can see through the shit out and the people that can't and put them in the Wiccan camp? Do you think is that that's the natural development? Is how we this, this is the general world now that we have this this ground of people that don't give a shit and just think oh yeah it's like charmed I guess they just like sage and shit people that want to know but are unworthy and they're the ones that buy all the Titiana books and that and then there's the people that are doing the actual magic that are hiding underneath all of this stuff in the camouflage yeah essentially. To kind of label my point, I think I read something earlier. I was, I was, I smashed my phone the other day, so I suddenly had to go through today all my kind of bookmarks mm. of things that I kind of started looking at and thought oh, I'll go back to that later. Um, and I was flicking through some, and this kind of phrase stuck with me: where someone made it was, on, I think it was on Pathos of all places. So you can imagine what I'm about to say. But there was this uh, there, there was this line that said something along the lines of, "There is no such thing as the mundane. Um, the goddess <laughs> is in all of us." Something like that. And obviously, you know, there is a part of the part of the charm series that you'll hate, which is that you either are you either have ma magic or don't, and it's in a yeah. lot of them, uh, including kind of you know Harry Potter, etc. There mm. is that those that have magic and those that don't. Um, and obviously that does exist, but it's not those that have magic and those that don't. It's that those that arrive with their eyes open and those that need their eyes opening. Yeah. And actually, you know, I will never stop using the phrase mundane because I feel it is representative of the fact that there are always will be people that fail to understand how magic works. Um, and unfortunately for those concerned, there will be a lot of practitioners that I will still remain to call mundane um, because it doesn't matter how many books they read or how many, how many seminars oils they, they buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many oils they buy they'll never actually get past the front the front moments of it they'll never get past the facade and the main reason for that is because they use that um you know 90s filter in order to look at how the practice should be for them and because right. of that it will always limit what they're capable of because they don't see what's hidden in plain sight. And again, that's why I like Charmed and Buffy and all those kind of, there are these little little bits of arcane knowledge that are actually there. Mm. They're very superficial, but they are there. And they actually play with concepts which are important for you to actually think about, you know, the morality of, of manifestation the difficulty of balancing normal and and magical, you know, the mundane and the magical, all those kind of threads that are in all of these shows are very real things that they'll have to deal with going down this pathway. Um, hmm. I'd, but that focus on the mundane, I think, will always be a thing. Um because there is that that beauty of magic, but you're never going to see it with your mundane eyes. And that's kind of a big problem mm. for a lot of practitioners um, because until they get there to the point where they can see astrally and other, other filters that are available, um, 
once you get past that, because um, I think it would be a surprise for some of them to actually realise Astral's only one layer, um, and actually it's the most boring of them. So, you know, kind of, you know, there is that part of kind of going, you know, yes, this part is, is wonderful, but there is more layers beyond that that are far more interesting. Um, just to kind of drop that little um that little nugget in there because everyone gets so excited and particularly at the moment with so many of our mentees and whatever struggling with the getting onto the astral or getting to the astral and not being how they expect it to be um and all that kind of stuff i think it's important to point out in the most part all of these you know c.s lewis lion witch wardrobe all of these are talking about astral well he was a massive occultist and i still think most people don't realize that no (laughs) all of these are astral you know Mm. i I think that's why it's in my head at the moment is because we i rewatched the movies a couple of weeks ago um or a couple of them because my brother was watching them and i just happened to be in the room um Mm. you know so i caught bits and i was kind of going wow uh, he really was onto something there. Um, even the way that the time moves, all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, even trying to shoehorn in the Christianity part with Aslan. But, you know, we'll we'll deal with that another day. Um, you know, it was an occulty way from a very, you know, what's that group I can't stand? It was very Thelema. That's all I'm going to say. Ah, uh, Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, and Rosicrucian, but let's be yeah. fair, they're pretty, very similar. Um, the same sort of strains. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it was Albert Einstein, I think, that said, many have eyes but do not see. Now, if you're talking about, some people may have watched the series, but if it's someone that hasn't ever watched the series, I'm not going to ask you to name your favourite episode, but as another, talking to another wit, or a group of witches saying, you know, if you wanted to give this one a go, as a practicing witch, you might find this particular episode amusing. And we won't know the name of the episode or anything like that, but the general storyline of it. Is there anything that kind of sticks out as especially amusing to the other modern witch? Or is it one of the ones you mentioned already? A few of the ones I've already mentioned already were good ones. Um, I did enjoy the um, the Greek god episode. Mm. Um, and it's one that all, I do always go back to watch. And I think it's one of the ones I had on VS, uh, you know, VHS. Yeah. One of the episodes that I was really, really into. Um, and then... <laughs> essentially any episode with barbus in um he is brilliant <laughs> the the demon of fear yeah um is are going to be my favorites i think and one i think it's because it's how it's important how they approach the kind of demon aspect mm. um and kind of when they got to the gods part and you're talking about kind of like bestowing power Mm. I think there was that kind of power level part that was going on in that episode and kind of going, you know, you've got army of angels, a few deities, um, you know, not even a full pantheon, but three of them turn up and smite the lot. Yeah. Um, And there is power that doesn't belong here, so they have to give it up. Because although they're the, the creme de la creme, cream of the crop in the world when they have this extra power, they kind of have to give up. So you're saying about the one with the Titans, where the Titans come. Yeah, the one with the Titans. That you, you think people would be amused by. I mean, Barbus always reminds me of um, Crowley from that Supernatural series. The two of them yeah. kind of... Imagine yeah. if they, they both met. Yeah. That would be super weird, but quite cool. But yeah, they're kind of is one of those characters that really kind of, uh, for me, does something about, really gets to the crux of what demon means. Mm. That you don't see with all the other ones that they, 
you know, blow up yeah. every episode. That kind of flashbang wallop, smiting demons, doesn't excite me um, at all in the Charm series. But how they kind of characterise and how he grows over every time he comes back uh, throughout um, really kind of hits home at what? What that mm. word from a very from a very kind of abrahamic way what the word demon means like mm. it doesn't you know it it doesn't deal well with you know goetic spirits and if you actually no. do it with demons um but from the demon point of view that kind of very abrahamic way of lens of viewing at it i think barbus really hits home what that well, kind of I think that's that's probably because in it you get a little bit of lore and legends and this is an upper level demon, this is a lower level demon. But with Barbus and with demons and all that sort of thing and spirits in general, it's, um, I suppose, archetypes of energy and he personifies it because he's a personification of fear, fear essentially. And yeah. he, you see in his characteristics and how he works and how he moves and how he thinks fear it is the personification of fear. The way he talks, all of that, he plays fear and he is the demon of fear and he works in a way that fear kind of acts. Whereas the other demons are just there to be blown up, like you said, really, a lot of the time. Yeah, a lot of them are, they're the, you know, protagonist of the week or mm. antagonist or whatever it is, antagonist, sorry, of, of the week, that they've just got somebody that they need to chop down like corn you know mm. it's one of those they'll get to the end of the episode and they'll have learned something new about themselves like it's just very yeah. kind of moral uh, you know moral storytelling um in a very visual way mm. um one of my other favorites i will mention just because we haven't covered it and i feel we probably normally would during the you know cultural misappropriation part is <laughs> Is the the gypsy one? I was actually thinking of the gypsy one. That was the one with the evil eye and all that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and actually, you know, there is that kind of touch there of, you know, a secret society that people don't think of secret societies as. Yeah, there, you know, that was probably the closest you'd get to them bringing on the resi christians or or a dark lodge um well that's the triad isn't it because you have the yeah, idea of the source who's like the devil and then you have the idea of the triad and that's kind of like well which one's more powerful and which one's really supposed to be scarier or smarter and it's like well that's here's the organized lot of people coming together that are all dangerous and powerful but then here's the one with supposedly the title and the power which is like the devil yeah. type thing but um okay so as you watched it when it was being released in the 90s, who was your favourite character? And then looking back, is that still your favourite character or have you got a different one now? Watching it from the beginning, Prue was always my favourite. Um, one, because she just, she was the one I had most things in common with, I guess. You know, mm. with her being an art dealer and all that kind of stuff. Um and a historic knowledge and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then being the kind of, you know, top of the sibling tree uh, with all the pressure of being. So I think she was the one I related to most as a teenager. Um, I think as I've kind of watched back and watched going on, I think in some ways my favourite character will always be Piper. Um, she was my favourite when I watched it first time round, but she's still my favourite now, with Barbus, like you said, being a close second. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, those would be... And then, obviously, number three would probably be Grams, but I'd, I'd, um... I'd happily watch an entire series just devoted on Grams. Like, it's one of mm. those... She's Prue if she lived longer. Like, I feel like that's you know however much i love piper she's not piper mm. um because piper's not that level of spicy um mm. 
whereas whereas grams you kind of feel like the she goes through all the phases you know there are times when she's phoebe there's times when she's prue like do you know what i mean like you get the whole package of grams. Yeah. um but yeah i i liked Paige, but the torch she kind of did phoebe worse than phoebe did in my opinion well, Phoebe so, was still there, so really, if they introduced another Phoebe, she'd have to be worse, I think. Not worse because you've already seen that character type before, but worse because Phoebe's still there. So she's going to have to be making worse decisions. She's going to have to be the one that's the sweetie kind of charity case, more so. Um, one thing that I think people would would be really upset if we didn't cover with regards to the charmed kind of universe. And of course, it has to be Magic School. Because one of my favorite characters was actually the headmaster of the Magic School, who was a an elder who decided, now nah, fuck that, I can't be bothered with all this toe-in-the-line shit. I'm going to go and do my own thing. And then went a little bit... Didn't go crazy or anything like that, but he had a very specific agenda which was different to everyone else he was still trying to work for the greater good but in a way that maybe most people don't view as a good way and i see a lot of certain patrons of ours in that <laughs> characteristic but um magic school in general in there because it's one of those things that you would imagine would be in there from the beginning but it's not and it's like I think when it comes along, it's like, why have we never seen this before in this fucking series? It's gone on for so long, and yet you're only touched on the fact that there's a magic school now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Gideon, I feel, named after the, the Bibles that are yeah. in every draw, um, and constantly sells the same note, regardless of whether or not you're interested. Very well named. Um as a character, it didn't really excite me. I feel they could have done a lot more with Gideon than they did. Um, Magic Magic School annoyed me. One, because it was there at a very opportune moment. And you spent the whole time going, okay, well, there's this Magic School where clearly people go. Um, why was it never open to the Charmed Ones before then? Like... Why well, they the were protected to, from the story. They it. didn't. I think it was kept from them. Their mother decided that she didn't want them brought up, and that was always the big thing between Gramps and the mother. Was she, the grandma wanted them to be raised in magic, the mother wanted them never to be knowing it. And then when they're all grown up, they suddenly discover it all. So that would be the real reason, because they would be enrolled in it when they were kids, I suppose. But the thing is, even Gramps didn't go. Like, you did that many flashbacks that kind of, like, if this had already always existed, surely there would have been some other interactions with it before then. It felt like it was a, you know, plonked-in line to deal with certain certain parts. And it never felt really well, thought it, out. Yeah. They it threw it in there because wild. they thought, this is a fucking brilliant idea. And we haven't put this in, and the fans will love it, and we need to think of something to put in this series. <laughs> and people have just started reading Harry Potter in a really big way. Like, mm. I just, I don't know, it felt like a really pointless. Bearing in mind the amount of series that have come on since that have been based yeah. around magical schools. Yeah. Um, it's kind of how most of them go nowadays, is that there is some kind of training ground that they mm. should have gone to. Um, you know, like... Um, the Thoth Mystery School, perhaps. You know, Shadow Hunters has... Shadow that, Hunters, you've got the Order. Um, yeah. You've got that new one that's about fairies, fate, saga, or whatever it was, Winks. Um, oh, right. That's all built around a school. Like, there were mm. lots of these. There were lots of ones in the, the early noughties. Um that were kind of like School of Anubis and all these kind of like mm. um, TV store, it kind of teenage TV series that were all worst built around witch. schools. Worst Witch. Not the Worst Witch of Wiltshire. We're talking about the Worst Witch, Worst Witches in the TV series with Miss Hardbroom and all that. 
Um, you know. Okay, so one last one last point then, closing on this and going along the lines of the magic school is that eventually magic school falls, doesn't it? Um, and gets invaded by demons and that. But it's interesting the fact that with the demons, they just kind of use that as a crackdown. <laughs> Yeah. It. They don't actually think, hmm, maybe with all of the stuff where we've been losing eternally over a long, long time, you'd have thought that they would take the magic score and like make a magic score a bad shit or something like that. But they don't. It's just a crackdown. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, the whole way through, magic score annoys me because in every way that it's used seems pointless. Mm. It seems like it serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever other than to be another location for things to mm. happen. Like, it doesn't feel very thought out as a place. Um, you know, the better better story locations were like the Bay Mirror or um, the Booklands, which always, always made me laugh. Or, or the, it was always like, it was a, a big, like, um, charmed thing, wasn't it? the top of the golden gate bridge yeah. <laughs> it's like in pretty much every episode where they just you know you just go there to meditate don't you because that's where you go at the top of the golden gate bridge all year round with like bajillions of cars loads of, well they didn't really have drones back then but loads of people take pictures all the time that's what you do you'd go to the top of the golden gate bridge it's like me going down to clifton suspension bridge for a picnic yeah and then getting skulls out and being very practical um yeah, but then to be fair, a big part of what they did was selling San Francisco, wasn't it? Mm, so that, that's, that's probably why they lasted as long as they did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Magic Score just was a complete waste of my time. I didn't feel it served any real purpose. Um, because surely in that situation, you'd have met more of those characters that have been more of a... You know the potential for a spin-off or whatever whereas it just became this place where oh there'll be a book there you know just conveniently yeah because you know it's because, a storage cupboard then do you know what i mean like at the best it's a it's a storage cupboard like okay uh, how did you feel yeah. about Paige taking over do you think she was qualified <laughs> uh, I felt about that as the same way I felt about the end, the ending of the final Harry Potters. You know, they've all got conveniently three children kind of situation. It was a very mm. neat way to close that episode. Everything about that episode was really irritating. Um, but nicely takes us back to the beginning of this, talking about hereditary witchcraft. In that kind of all of a sudden you had a house full of witches mm. like that kind of end moment with the like with the harry potter lot too many children all of a sudden right at the end yeah like, why does that make any sense like it's been it's been <laughs> it's been a fight to keep the rest of them alive um the whole way through you know tragic tragic people and women dying young every generation <laughs> and then suddenly you've got like four generations of witches all very and loads of affairs constantly and all various other things and yeah. evil husbands and boyfriends and stuff it's because it was the last episode and they wanted to wrap it up and everyone's got to live happily ever after so they've all got each all three of them have to find a man and all three of them have to have a kid so that alone you know is going to be a house for just yeah it, it all irritated me but like I said, it's one of those things that I think is timeless, really, mm. really will always be good. And I'll never get bored of rewatching any of it. Um, and not because in a, in a reminiscent way, but in a fact of it's just good. Like it's before iPhones. You know? That's what's creepy, isn't it? If you look at like all the computer, because you can't really tell in general, can you? But like whenever someone goes on a computer or someone like uses a phone or something like that, and you think, oh my gosh, and some of the cars and stuff, you think, oh wow, this really is from like back in the day. This is last century. <laughs> yeah. So I, 
you know, like I said before, there is there are bits, nuggets of that's an interesting way to make you think about something. It's not arcane knowledge in the sense mm. of you're going to learn anything about witchcraft from it. But it does ask it does ask some interesting questions that I think all witches would benefit from actually thinking about um, that are new to the journey. I think actually it leaves some room for actually kind of going, okay, I haven't thought of it like that before. If you can get past the kind of, you know, personal game bollocks, but the, you know, that is very, very wicker. I just don't feel it did actually really push wicker in any way, shape or form. It didn't because they didn't understand. Like even when the producers and the script writers and all of that were making it, I don't think they fucking opened up, really opened a Wiccan book. They just got, ah, wicker, that's good versions of witches. We'll call them all Wiccan, yeah. so you know. And that yeah. is probably the good thing about it. <laughs> It's, yeah. Imagine if they were like some Wiccan fucking cover, which they wouldn't have been able to because there would have been, it would be some kind of crazy ass pandianic shit, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be like yeah. a Wiccan coven. It would be fucking boring if it was a yeah. proper Wiccan coven. I mean, all they do every episode is is celebrate a Sabbath. <laughs> exactly. Badly. <laughs> yeah. Cakes and ale at the end of every episode instead of whoever the current top singer is going on at P3, which is a club for those that don't know. So anyway, speaking of music, I suppose we should leave you with the theme tune. Maybe I can put that in. Hopefully we won't get into copyright problems. If you hear it, then it means that I've managed to get away with it. If not, then this episode's just gonna end and probably go on to the next one or something. But anyway, bye everyone.